0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Brunch and Learn. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and this is a podcast for women who love to brunch, like myself. Here, we talk about two of my favorite topics. Brunch, obviously, and the idea that we can learn something new every day. Each episode, we'll interview a new female powerhouse, gab as though we're girlfriends at brunch, and learn something for our brains so let's get started hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the brunch and learn podcast i'm your host nicole Dillon, and this is the podcast where we connect with women entrepreneurs on their subject matter expertise we learn a lot from them and we talk about my favorite topic of brunch but that is later in the episode and today I am very excited for our next guest, completely fangirling. <laughs> today we have Claire Wasserman. She is one of the co-founders of Ladies Get Paid, which is a membership and community that has access to resources, education to help you grow in your career and your bank account. And that sounds great to me. So welcome, Claire, to the podcast.
1: I Thanks so much for having me, Nicole.
0: Awesome. So how about we kick things right off and tell the listeners more about you and what is Ladies Get Paid.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Ladies Get Paid, I started it about four years ago. It was kind of my answer to two things. One, I was very angry. I was angry about the wage gap, the leadership gap, some sexual harassment I'd experienced, and I wanted to talk about it. Okay. So that was one thing I was mad about. The second thing I was mad about was imposter syndrome, perfectionism, negotiation, these things that We oftentimes carry with us with shame, and we don't quite know yet what to do. And so the way that I figured I'd tackle all this was just get a bunch of women in a room together and say, what is going on in your career? What do you have questions about? How can we help you? And the start of all this were these town halls, these town halls where women would come together and in a sense, sort of crowdsource career advice from one another. And after every, you know, event, I would recommend they join our Slack group so we could continue the conversation. And I also would find career coaches who could teach workshops based on the things that we talked about, because it was very clear to me that, yes, you wanna have discussion, that's catharsis, that's community. But if you don't know what you're going to do on Monday to actually tackle these issues, then, well, we're not really moving forward. And now we've got over 75,000 women from all 50 states, more than 120 countries, they are all on Slack, more than 2 million messages exchanged in the last four years. I mean, I, we got a lot to talk about. So, so I'm really proud of the community because they have really made ladies get paid what it is today. I love it. And
0: I love, I know you've shared it a million times, but for some background uh, for the listeners, how, how did this all come about? Cause I feel like I've heard your story, but maybe others haven't of uh, what was that,
1: that moment Sure. So, I mean, full disclosure, I I actually didn't consider myself a feminist up until maybe like five years ago. I I had no idea what the word meant. I mean, really. Uh, My mother was the third class of women in her college. And I, like I think other women my age, I'm 34, you know, figured, well, my mom did the hard work, right? Her generation took care of it and we're equal, right? Work is a meritocracy, which now, you know, as I looked at that it's sort of a privilege to look at work like a meritocracy. I had never experienced blatant discrimination Um, But when I did have an experience that sort of knocked me, (laughs) knocked me down, I thought, okay, maybe I need to take a better look at this and sort of better understand what women in the workplace, you know, where are we? And, And the sexist experience just very quickly was I went to an advertising festival south of France, very fancy. Most of the people who go are men because they are the ones who are the CEOs of the companies. And I walk into a party, older guy comes up to me smiles, shakes my hand very nicely, very innocently, and asks, hi, who's wife are you? And I am so grateful to him for having said that because it just opened my eyes. And the entire week that I was at the festival, I was just hyper aware of the gender power dynamics at play. And the reason I say power dynamics is because at least for me, I needed business, right? The company I worked for, I was there to find clients. And so if the clients, the prospective clients who were men, if they in any way made me uncomfortable, it was really hard to say, screw you, right? Like I needed their business. And so I felt like this entire week was this constant sort of navigation of taking conversations where maybe they didn't take me seriously to a place where then I could make them want my business. And it was exhausting. And as I reflected on that week, I realized so much of my career, I had been doing that kind of damn, right? Making other other person, you know, let's say a man, making the man feel good, right? Feel comfortable, making him want to give me business, but also letting him treat me sometimes not the way he would treat a man, you know, things like not giving me eye contact. When we're in a group, he would only talk to the men or once a man, you know, at a dinner, I was introduced to him. I was told you could do business together. He tried to kiss me. And my response, of course, was, What the hell are you doing? And he said, He goes, But why did you give me your business card? I mean, really, I cannot make this stuff up. Here's the thing, though. I never said, Ah, there is a systemic issue here. I always wondered, Did I do something? Did I smile too much? Was I too friendly? Right. And I started to write about the experience I had at the festival. I started to write about, my career in its entirety, right? Sort of the exhaustion I felt in constantly doing that navigation of power, gender dynamics. And I'd never really talked about this stuff before. I'd never really been honest with myself, I think. And I didn't have the guts to publish any of my writing. I felt like it would expose some weakness or make me look like I hated men or any, you know, things that weren't true. And I eventually just shared it with some girlfriends who said, wow, this sounds like some stuff I've gone through. Can I share it with my friends? And I said, yes. And then those friends wrote me back and I didn't even know them. And they said, me too. I've also experienced this. Like, this is a thing. But of course, what do you do? What do you, especially when it's this like micro insidious, not totally clear if it's discrimination, like that was actually the really difficult stuff um, versus like, I know I'm being underpaid. What do I do? It was like, how do I even know what I'm being paid? Where do I even begin to talk about it? And that's what sort of sparked more research in my end to Google things like, what is feminism? What is the women in the workplace and the wage gap? I mean, I did a whole self-education that took about a year before I actually did anything, which was hosting my first town hall for women to come and talk about money.
0: Awesome. And thank you for sharing that. I feel like I have researched and like heard that story so many times, but for listeners that might not know you and getting to know you now, I think that's very important. And I I feel like everyone, every woman has had at least some kind of story like that. I know I have definitely in my nine to five of asking to get things. And I flatly now say, I am not your assistant, (laughs) things like that. but I did want to get into that as well because really that's what ladies, you know, get paid is is really all about. And kind of was curious on your side since starting Ladies Get Paid. Do you have any interesting facts or things you've learned along the way in terms of equal pay and the wage gap?
1: hmm Yeah, yeah. The wage gap, it's interesting. It's both uh, straightforward but also a little bit nuanced. So we all hear about this 78 to 80 cents in the dollar, right? Like women make less than men, okay? But it it depends on who you are, race, ethnicity, where you live, if you're married or not. Hispanic women are making 55 cents to the dollar. So it depends who you are, but also the wage gap in large part is actually a motherhood gap. It's also called the motherhood Mm -hmm. penalty. Women who have children make four to 6% less per child and men, when they have kids, they actually make between 4 and 6% more per child. Mm-hmm. That is a huge contributor to the wage gap. Another issue is what's called occupational segregation. So within an organization, you may find that certain roles or certain departments, it's, it's clustered with women or it's clustered with men, right? Oftentimes women are in HR roles or in more supportive roles. Men maybe are in more of the technical side or the sales side. They get paid more because those are roles where it's easier to make the case why they directly impact the company's bottom line. So that's why this isn't that straightforward also, because you can't necessarily go in and say, pay me as much as somebody else in another department, right? Like your wage is contextual, right? It's based on the pay band, right? The range for your specific role. So here's what I wanna urge women to do. Yes, do your research, make sure you're getting paid as much as you can for your role, but I also want you to push beyond what you're doing. Are there other departments where you could stretch? Can you come up with a position that nobody else is doing, right? Can you make your own role? I've done that. I know many women who've been able to do that. This is not a one size fits all. I just want women to really think outside the box. Um, you don't necessarily have to accept what you're given. And if you have any inkling to do something that feels intimidating to you, for example, women in our community, you know, she wasn't a coder, but she went to school You know, after work. She really pushed herself. She went and she got a scholarship and she applied for those jobs. And now she has a job as an engineer, and she's getting paid more than she ever thought she could. So, you know, again, it goes beyond asking for more money. I also want us to look holistically at our careers, where we're at, where we're working, what do we want to do? Because money is sort of one piece of the larger puzzle, and it's going to require a larger lens that we take and we look at ourselves and the work that we're doing. A lot
0: of things, yeah, I did not know about with with motherhood. So thank you for sharing some of those, those facts, but also want to ask. So a lot of questions came in from our community. We're going to try to get through them all. They kind of range the gamut of job hunting, negotiation. So try to get through as many as possible, but I absolutely love like ladies get paid and your IG lives and you have some great content. So highly encourage everyone to check that out as well, but we're going to get right into it from the community. And Claire, I wanted to start off with a big question that came up. Uh, stick with me here. A common question that came up was navigating raises and promotions during these tougher times like COVID. So kind of saw two sides of this coin from women in a corporate setting and then women that had their own business. And so there was this in the corporate world, heard a lot about, you know oh, raises and promotions have been kind of on a freeze right now, or, oh, I'm just so lucky to have a job right now. Why would I even approach this at this time to women entrepreneurs that had their own business, this guilt of people losing their jobs right now? I shouldn't be charging more. So would love to get your thoughts on advice that you would have in, in navigating these you know, tougher times when it comes to promotions and raises. And overall, how do you get over this guilt?
1: Mm, I think any time that you have self-doubt, you need to stop and ask yourself, would a mediocre white man feel this way? That's all. And it, right, and, it, and you laugh, Nicole, right? Like, So if you laugh at this, the answer is probably, nah, he wouldn't feel this way. Now, does that mean that all of a sudden you don't have those feelings? No. I just want us all to gut check ourselves. Are we feeling this way because this is how girls are socialized? We accommodate others, right? Don't put yourself first, right? People, please be nice, right? Okay, sure, be nice, but that doesn't mean you also shouldn't get paid. So I want to acknowledge that. The next thing I want to acknowledge is never make assumptions. So just because you think that your company doesn't have the money, or maybe you're worried that they don't have the money, don't go to them and say, I assume you may not have the money. I mean, listen, don't make it easier for them. So don't put words in their mouth. You can ask with empathy. You can say, it feels odd to negotiate in a pandemic. Or this is weird, right? Like acknowledge the financial elephant in the room. And remember, this has been going on for almost a year. By the time we're out of this, it will have been a year. The person that you're negotiating with probably has had to negotiate for themselves during this time. You can always turn it around and say, if you were me, what would you do? Okay, Keep that in mind. When you approach them, approach with empathy, acknowledge that, yes, we are in a pandemic. That being said, I want you to bring concrete evidence of the work that you've done and the impact that it's had. Impact meaning, have you saved time for the company resources? Have you made money? Have you motivated your team, right? Because motivating your team means they're more productive and committed. And that means save time, okay? So it's not just, I did good work, here it is. But you have to be able to connect the dots from who you are and what you did to how it has really been a benefit to the company, okay? Have an ask in mind. So don't just let them give you the money. You already know what you're going to ask for because you've done the research, right? Now... Are they going to say yes? Eh, We don't know yet. So what you really have to be prepared with, have it in your back pocket, is what's called full compensation. So these are things that bring you value, but that cost the company either nothing or very little. Career development, getting them to buy my book, ladies get paid, okay? Getting them to pay for you to go to a conference or class, right, and if you're thinking right now, well, Claire, if they don't have the money to give me the salary, then how will they afford to send me to a conference? A lot of times these budgets are separate. They'll have the salary budget, and then they'll have the career development budget. There are so many more things you can ask for. Gas money, right? Or Metro card. Being creative about your money, meaning, I don't know, can there be a bonus or a commission structure? Can you revisit this in three months? Like, make sure you walk out of there with something. Remember, if they lose you, they lose money because it's very expensive to try to find a new person, let alone the time that they waste needing to retrain them. So you actually have more power than you may even realize. If you're working there, that means they want you to work there. So they're invested to continue to pay you what you are worth. But does that mean there doesn't need to be some sort of conversation around it? Because perhaps you can't get everything you want all at once. Sure. So don't look at this as a a win-lose, but rather we already are on the same page. We already want this to work. So the question is, how can both people give a little so that both people can get a little? In terms of entrepreneurs and charging for things or having jobs and the people around you who don't, think about your future. Think about your family. Think about the statistics, right? If you put yourself down, right, or if you hold yourself back, it is making it worse for all of us, right? We're still perpetuating some of these wage gaps, right? I just want to mention it is not our fault, right? We're we're operating within a system. But that being said, don't feed the system by charging less or saying, you know what, I'm not going to go for this thing you got to give generational wealth, especially for women of color out there, right? Do it for your kids or, or for your pretend kids or do it for, you know, blame it on me, right? So if it's hard for you to advocate on behalf of yourself, advocate on behalf of other women. Uh, and again, would a mediocre white man feel this way? If the answer is no, or if you laugh, then that means you have to go ahead and do it.
0: I love that. And while you were talking, I feel like this next question um, sparked that, Uh, with promotions and raises really it is about proving and, and having those notes of how you've benefited the company whether that's with revenue or time or how you have really raised the bar to get into that negotiation and so that this next question was what advice do you have of like how do you assert yourself and show your worth especially in a corporate setting now that we're all virtual and no one can really see you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it always, it always comes down to relationships and this is advice that I give, you know, irrespective of us being online or or, or off. You need to have other people who know your value and who can advocate on your behalf. Now, waiting until you're in person or hoping there's some sort of company-wide happy hour. No, we cannot wait for that. Plus that, I don't know, that's not always the best for developing relationships, right? Especially if you're an introvert can feel intimidating. So go and identify people at the company who you want to learn from, So not just strategically who can help you, but whose career path do you find interesting? Who's doing a job that you want to learn more about? Go and email them. Go and email them something personal, right? You read this thing about them, write something personal about yourself. Ask one question. Do you have 20 minutes to hop on a call to answer this one question, right? So my point here is you are letting them know that A, you are interested in learning more about them and it's not just this general BCC thing, right? This is specific to them, but also you respect their time. So this isn't a, I'd like to pick your brain or get to know you, right? Because like, what does that actually mean? And it's not just this infinite, can we get on a call? No, it's 20 minutes. So they'll probably give you more. If you are not quite comfortable contacting them because maybe they're way high up in the company, go to their executive assistant first. Tell them how you feel. Everybody has been you. That's the thing. Even if somebody intimidates you, they were you at some point in the company, okay? So keep that in mind. And it is also in their benefit, and I'm thinking of somebody who's pretty high up here, it's in their benefit to stay in touch with people who are on lower levels because their ideas don't happen unless they're executed by people in other departments. So it is in their interest to have a sense of what's going on. And also assuming that you're gonna bring, you know, your curiosity and your enthusiasm and your energy they will feed off of that. Like that will make them feel good to be around. So as long as you're being targeted and specific and thoughtful and researched, right? You are not bothering anybody to reach out to them and ask them if they can connect with you. That is the best way that you can show your value is one-on-one. And the other time is anytime that you do check-ins with your manager, and if they're not doing them with you, you gotta make sure that they are, okay? So you call for those check-ins. Talk about something in the last few weeks that you've done that you were proud of or something that you've done that you then learned something from, or you found interesting, or a client gave, you know, gave you a compliment, like all throughout the year, be dropping these sort of hints about your work so that you're not waiting until the annual review to actually go to bat for yourself. Cause guess what? When they do the annual review, chances are they've already decided if you should get a raise or a promotion. So it's really all throughout the year weaving in your work when you have those check-ins while simultaneously also building relationships with people who can then, you know, in the rooms that you're not, Invited to, they can say, listen, I think Nicole did a great job. We should give her a chance on this project."
0: No, I love that, and I definitely love your perspective. I feel like I had actually been remote starting in 2018, so this was not new to me at all, and had that whole different perspective of I had to really assert myself uh, because I could not walk over to my colleagues' desks. They were all in the office, and had gotten feedback of being assertive and bossy, but really, I had to speak up more on more emails and meetings and really raise my hand on projects that not only benefited me, but just help, helped me stand out a little bit more. I wanted to kind of share my perspective as well. Absolutely. Totally. I love that. Another question that came in was about promotions. What are some general advice that you have um, that you would give in approaching a a promotion and conversation to your manager?
1: Well, first, you should already know what your manager is looking for. Um, So you should be having these conversations, at least from the very beginning, you know, if not onwards. How do you define and measure success? What are your expectations for me? What are our priorities? What are our goals? How do I exceed those expectations, right? Because if you have that language already from them, you can then mirror back to them. Here's the work that I've done that fits the conversations we've had before, right? So it's not just guessing. It's also having a sense of if you get this promotion, right? What will you be doing next? So it's being able to show that you're ready for it. And let's say you there's somebody who's doing work that you, know, you wanna be promoted in and, and start doing their work as well or get on their level. Maybe have conversations with that person about their challenges, right? The things they wish they'd known when they had started in that position. Because then again, you could work backwards and show, here are the accomplishments i would had this year that reflect my capacity and potential to do next level work. So I would say, you know, be strategic about the accomplishments that you bring up and then tell a really compelling story about it. And I recommend that you all go check out clairewasserman.com. I have a free video on there that I did with Indeed that's about salary negotiation and getting a promotion. And, and there's a, a framework I use. It's called STAR, the STAR method, S-T-A-R. And it's a framework within which you can tell the story of an accomplishment. And, and the point is, don't assume they know everything. Because they're busy, they have their own job, they're trying to get a promotion and a raise themselves. So, really dig into what you've done and how you did it. So, it's not just here are some skills I had, but really, did you bring, you know, were you very detail oriented? Uh, Were you resilient, resourceful, patient, right? Like, what are the life skills that you brought to doing this work? Because you will be rewarded also for who you are and how you fit into the team and the company and not just, you know, you're not just pressing a button here, so really learn how to like craft that compelling story. And if you need help with it, find a friend who's in marketing or PR or sales, and they will uh, they will help you learn how to spin yourself.
0: <laughs> Jumping into that with a question that came about negotiation—it's such a, a struggle, and uncomfortable, awkward conversation to have and thing to do. Uh, besides your video, what are some other tricks you've picked up around this topic when it comes to negotiations?
1: I think people, when they research negotiation, you know, people really just kind of stop from Glassdoor or PayScale and, and that's a place to start, not to stop. Mm -hmm. So of course, begin online. I think we really need to start talking to each other and a way to do that, join organizations, Facebook groups, ladies get paid, et cetera, go to the community organizer, right? The person who's the admin and ask them, do you think this is a place where we could start talking about our salaries? And the reason I say to do that is because there is a built-in network of people who have already committed to come together to support each other professionally, and everybody wants to know how to get paid. So if you don't see forums in which this is being discussed, I would suggest that to the administrator. Same thing for you know, career resources at your alma mater, right? If you went to college, the alumni network, there like there is a wealth of information there that perhaps they're not tapping into because nobody's asked. So that's one idea. And the other idea is going to somebody in your network who knows a lot of people and saying, hey, do you want to maybe get some sort of, you know, BCC chain going here where when people need to figure out how much to charge, they can email all of us. This is how I was able to get a lot of stuff done in my career when I was looking for vendors to hire or jobs or, you know, anytime I had a question about something. I mean, I hadn't started Ladies Get Paid yet. So where was I supposed to go? Well, I went to some other girlfriends who had large networks themselves and we created this sort of uh, little community in our inboxes of whenever somebody needed something, they would send out the bad alert. And that's how you know we began to figure out uh, what do real people charge so that you don't just stop at the glass doors and the pay scales? Because by the way, when you go into negotiate and you say, I saw this on Glassdoor." door, your company may just say to you, well, that's not relevant to us. You need to have more sources than one thing and you need to have backup from real people and not just, you know, crowdsourced information. I love the thought of, and just, yeah, that of ladies get paid in pre-crowdsourcing
0: pay scale and asking, there is nothing worse than, and I've been there <laughs> when people, when you're already in a job and then you have that conversation with a coworker and it's like gut-wrenching if either side is being paid more and, totally awkward but to mm-hmm. to get that ahead of time out of the way uh, is ideal and something i had also thought of was i think you'd mentioned researching companies and this is more kind of getting into job hunting ahead of time and how and not only like Glassdoor and all that but like how often people or people are getting uh promotions and if they are i should have mm. done that
1: <laughs> I didn't know I could negotiate my first couple of jobs. I, I had no idea. I, so I graduated in 2009 and the economy was not great. And honestly, I, I just felt so grateful to even have a job. And I didn't think that you could negotiate. I figured the first offer is the last offer. They would pay me what's fair. And I never questioned it. I don't, you know, it's hard for me to feel regret because it's like, you only know what you know. So I'm glad that I did that. I'm glad that I know otherwise now. You just have to ask. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is they say no. I mean, I've never heard of anybody being fired for asking, Um, especially if you come in with research and you're able to say, listen, between X and Y, this is the range that people in my position normally get. I'm asking for the top dollar because I believe I'm a top performer. Here's why. It's a conversation to get started because guess what? What may end up happening is the answer is no right now, but that's the thing. No is not yet. So what do you need to do to get to the next level? And you can always position this as, I want to be a leader here. I want to grow. I want to help the company. That's why I want to get a raise and a promotion. Like you can sort of position this more about your future at the company rather than the future of your paycheck.
0: Random question. Uh, as you were talking again, do you
1: find ageism is a thing? I've heard that? I've heard that. Uh, you know, my first response to anybody who says, you know, what do I do with ageism is, well, okay, first, are you documenting this? Like wh- how much of this is ageism versus sexism or racism or just mm. a person being a jerk you know? So, <laughs> so I just want to make sure we're really like isolating and understanding the issue here. What are the concerns about ageism here, right? Like, do they think that you're not, I don't know, up to date on the industry? You don't know how to use social media. Like, you know, you have to kind of break it down of like maybe what their concerns might be. And then how do you counter that? Certainly on a resume, I would not say what year you graduated. I would not talk about experience you've had from many years ago. I would really show that you know your industry, you're up to date on things. And if you still feel like you're getting resistance, then that's not the right company for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's only so much you can do. And if you feel instinctually like this is not right It is not right. Listen to your gut. And this is why at Ladies Get Paid, we don't just do career development. We also do financial education because the only way that you can walk away from a job or you can be a super strong negotiator is if you have a backup. And sometimes you don't have a backup job offer. So you need to have backup savings. So I know that's not the best answer to somebody who's struggling with ageism or even just struggling at work because I want to be able to tell you, yes, you can overcome this. But I also don't want that to be at the expense of your sanity. Your self esteem. So try to isolate the issue that you're having. See if you can respond to it. Right. Even asking, do you have any concerns with my experience or whatever? So we can get really specific about what's actually going on. So then you can then respond in turn. But yeah, only show things that are recent on your resume. That's for sure. Another question that came in
0: was about job hunting. And again, uh, favorite topic, COVID. Of what some tips that maybe you could provide in job hunting, especially during today's job market?
1: I have never once gotten a job through a cold application. I don't even think I've ever heard back from anybody when I applied online. Every opportunity I've ever gotten came through relationships. So don't look at networking as this sort of side thing that you do. It has to be everything that you do, everything. Get jobs through people. So let's say you see a job online that catches your eye, but you don't know anybody who works there well chances are you might know somebody who you knows somebody who works there please ask for an introduction or email people cold but be specific again i saw this in your resume it struck my eye here's why etc you can start with somebody who's really low level junior or who's new there ask about the company culture so just get in the door that has nothing to do with the actual application then when you do apply whether it's in the cover letter or your resume or how you present yourself in the interview Use the language that you've seen in the job description. Take what you've seen on the website as it relates to their values or how they describe their company culture. Everything that you talk about yourself needs to be filtered through the way that they've described themselves and what they want. And come with good questions. Come with good questions. People, you know, this is a conversation. Yes, you have to apply and, you know, get past the formalities, but they also want to see who you are and, and if you're a culture fit. And so that means be yourself. And this has to work for you too, guys, by the way. This is a relationship. So make sure you're you know, saying yes to places that you actually really want to say yes, which means not taking jobs out of insecurity, which is hard. When you need a job, you need a job. So I totally get that as well. So everybody, financial, we got, we got to get our savings. That is, if that is the one thing you do after this podcast is opening up a savings account, a high yield savings account, I will have done my job.
0: Another COVID related question-ish. But I'd love to get your thoughts on how do you see the future of work developing or shifting, for
1: example, more remote jobs? I think so. I think what happened with the pandemic is not necessarily a change, but rather an acceleration of trends that were already happening. So people were already starting to go remote, right? I've been using Zoom forever, but that was for our our webinars. So I was sort of laughing as everybody, like, what is this Zoom? I'm like, I can teach you. So I I think we're, you know, and and the the industries that you're now seeing that are booming, right? Like telemedicine, right? That's going to continue to boom, right? Amazon, yeah, we're going to continue to to order from Amazon. So in terms of like future of work, I mean, I think it's just looking at industries that are, are really hot where they're expanding and thinking beyond maybe the industries that you've always been familiar with and reading Fast Company and the Harvard Business Review and, you know, whatever other trade publication and staying up to date. On, on those companies that are growing and those industries that are growing because you want to grow with them. I mean, the other the other thing I was going to say about the future of work, I'm feeling, I've decided that I'm going to let myself feel really optimistic about the future of paid family leave, because mm-hmm. I think that will be a game changer in the future of work. Because a huge reason that we don't have as many women in leadership is because of that motherhood penalty, right? Either women mm-hmm. are dropping out because they don't have caregiving at home and it sort of falls on them and it's less expensive if they stay home uh whether or not they wanted to it ends up being a forced choice for many people or they don't stay home but they're looked at at their company like they're not as committed because people know that they have a child so we need companies to do better when it comes to supporting working parents and especially working mothers so i'm seeing some positive change in that direction i'm seeing some companies lead i'm optimistic about biden so I think that's where the change in work, the future of work is going to happen. It will be policies that support women.
0: No, I love that you brought that up. Even with virtual classes, it pained me with my best friend having to say to me, I I don't know how I can keep up with both. I might have to quit my job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's gut-wrenching. And I did want to talk a little bit about confidence and value. Just would love to chat a little bit more about that in terms of your community with Ladies Get Paid. What struggles you often see or any tips that you have to work on this muscle?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, people come for... Oftentimes, it's because there's something going on in their life that they need help with, and then they recognize, wow, this is so much bigger than them. Or they'll come in because they have a feeling like I'm having trouble speaking up in a meeting because I think I'm going to be looked at like my ideas are stupid, right? Or I know that I'm overworking because I'm a perfectionist, but I don't know how to stop. It's like a pulling on a thread because what they recognize now is, oh, this is imposter syndrome. This is perfectionism. This is because of a larger way that we've been socialized. And wait, there are so many ways that this gets expressed in my career. It's not just that I'm holding myself back from speaking up. It's also that I'm downplaying my accomplishments, right? During promotion time, or I'm not raising my hand for an opportunity. Well, then that's hurting me when it comes to trying to get a raise or promotion, Oh, wait, on top of that, we don't have policies that support working mothers, and that's going to hurt me because I'm about to have a kid. And so then they step back and they say, wow, there's so much more work to be done, and I have a decision. I can feel overwhelmed by it and depressed, and that's okay. Or, and perhaps maybe it's not an or, then maybe it's an and, I can do so much. There is so much that can be improved, and it starts with you. But it also means you have to go find other people who will rally with you and say, if we're going to go in and pitch for better paid family leave policy at our company, we can't go in by ourselves. We have to find somebody who will buy in, who's senior management, and sees how this is a benefit to the bottom line. And so then it becomes sort of exciting, right? Like all of this is an opportunity, and there is just such a willingness now, I think, to make change because we are in a time of transition. There is so much in our society that's shifting and, and and moving. So capitalize on the momentum, but but to your point of you know people coming in, and I think a lot of it has to do with, they don't feel like they're worthy of it. Like there, there's a fair amount of therapy work that needs to happen here. If they are worthy of being wealthy, right? Or, or does that make them feel greedy? Uh, are they worthy of becoming a boss, right? Or, or does that make them feel like that they're being bossy and that's bad right so there's there's a lot of cultural conditioning that needs to be examined and undone as they're also learning you know more of the logistical stuff of well what do I actually say or what is a 401k or you know so part of it is the therapy and part of it is the sort of technical education i shot a lot of general and rapid fire questions at you <laughs> so but i, I did just spoke, i just like said a bunch of things and hopefully i was actually answering <laughs> your questions
0: I just feel like it's just a lot of rapid questions of like job hunting, negotiation, promotions. So thank you. Uh, but I I did want to get into, you wrote a book. Let's talk oh. about your book.
1: Oh my God. I can't believe it happened. Oh, it's <laughs> happening. It's been two years since the beginning, since of getting the wow. deal and finishing it. And I mean, so the book, the book is very good. And that's not just me and my mom who says that. Uh, <laughs> it's it's an interesting structure. So I, I follow the lives of real women, nine real women, and each of them is facing a different professional challenge. And as I tell the story, I stop along the way and I say, you know, here's, here's what they could have done, or here's what you can do. So one of them who is preparing to give a talk at a conference, she is a major perfectionist. Um, she's actually a professional home organizer. So it's literally her job to make things perfect, but she's realizing that it's actually hurting her now. And so part of her experience of preparing for this talk, she goes through things like you know, overworking and overcommitting and that self-doubt, right? Who do you think you are to even be getting on the stage? And so I, you know, I I say here are tips for how you can handle that. And so it's part narrative, you know, and it's part toolkit. And the whole book ends with, all right, what can you do to affect larger change? Because that's what I felt was missing from a number of these women's empowerment books. They really focused on the individual, which is a great place to start. That's where we started with ladies get paid, right? It's about how do you make more money. But then How can we make sure that our companies are doing things like pay transparency, right? Uh, or, Or that paid family leave. How do we lobby our elected officials? So the end, there's a whole appendix on understanding laws that support women and different ways that you can articulate yourself to convince your elected official to get on board with those progressive policies. So it's super comprehensive. It's for any woman, any level, any industry. She just has to want to get ahead, like whatever direction you want to go in, it has to be moving up. And so this book is for that woman, ladiesgetpaidcom slash book. It's officially out January 12th, but if you pre-order it now, you'll be the first people to get it. So I, you know, give the, give the gift of getting paid, whether it's to yourself or somebody else, you know, this is, this is a great gift to, to show somebody else that you support them, 2020 was hard. 2021 is still going to be hard. Uh, so that this book I think is a little bit of backup. It's fuel. It's, it's going to make you feel better, but it's going to actually give you that, you know, next step for Monday. And what was that writing process like? Horrible. No. (laughs) Um, so what's ironic is the book, what I write about in the book, I experienced in a very deep sense while I wrote it. So as I'm writing about imposter syndrome, I'm totally sitting there going, Holy shit. Am I an imposter? I can't write this. Perfectionism chapter. I didn't know how to finish the chapter, so my therapist said to me, "Well, that's because you're still a perfectionist." <laughs> like, you know. So it was a really uh, interesting and very meta experience. The biggest help that I had was asking for help. I tried to do this for three months on my own until I recognized, you know, what I need to hire somebody who can help edit my work. I, I did have an editor at Simon and Schuster, but you know, she had other projects, and I really wanted somebody who could be there, who I could ask questions to on a daily basis. And so I, you know, I ended up hiring somebody and um, her official title is a book doctor. Uh, so it's not a co, you know, it's not a co-writer or a ghostwriter. Uh, she was the person that I texted and I said, listen, I'm having trouble with this one sentence. What is going on? And she'd jump in and she'd help out. That was a game changer. That and the other thing that I did that just was eye-opening for me is I, uh, I had a post-it note and I wrote on it, right like shit. And I posted it on my computer because you know what it said to me was just get the damn thing out. The magic happens in the editing process. So it's not about the first draft. First draft is just organizing your ideas, like what's actually going on here. And it took many, 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 many rounds of edits to get it to a place where I felt really good. So I wish from the very beginning, somebody had told me, make a system for yourself where you're just getting the words out as opposed to sitting there and trying to quote, be an author or you know write a book. Like It's just ideas on paper and then you craft it hopefully with the help of somebody else. So it was really hard. So if anything, please buy the book because I just, please, ladies need to get paid. Please, please, (laughs) this lady needs to get paid.
0: Love it. and love the writing tips. And in case I ever write a book about brunch, uh, (laughs) I'll know about a doctor that helps with writing. (laughs) Last question before we get into fun wrap-up questions, even though these were all really fun but wanted to ask, what is your best, best, best advice for how ladies can get paid?
1: The best, best advice is knowing that you can get paid more. It is possible, whether it's negotiating or changing your business or changing your company, like it is possible. Okay. And then the next thing is, is that everybody deserves it. i be mean, everybody has to negotiate. It's part of the process of doing work, whether it's with a customer or with, you know, your boss, like it's an exchange of goods and services. And when people give you money, look at it like an investment in them. They pay you because they believe that you're going to deliver something to them, right? You're going to be helping them. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think everybody should remember that when you get money, it's not a favor to you. Okay. This is not charity. It's actually the person's investment in themselves, whether they're your boss paying you to work at the company or a customer or client paying you for your, you know, the work that you're doing. That's because they believe that they're going to benefit from your work. So just let's move out of the, like, do I deserve it? I feel bad or no, 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 It's an exchange of goods and services and you're going to do excellent work. And you have to believe in yourself. Otherwise nobody else will.
0: And for some wrap up questions, we're going to talk about food. Do you like brunch?
1: If somebody says no, I don't understand who they are. Um, I, so it's interesting. I, I eat dunch is what I call it, you know, sort of in between lunch and dinner that, that tends to be interesting. <laughs> like my later, my later brunch, but anytime that I'm sort of eating between meals, that is, that is my favorite. And what is your
0: favorite brunch meal, restaurant recipe could be anything. Tell us about this experience.
1: Yes. Yeah, so for my birthday, I went to Big Bear big bear mountain. Um, I got a little cabin and I went to, um, I went to a cafe, a little cafe and it's called grizzly manor cafe recommended is like the place that you're supposed to go to when you were in big bear for brunch, tiny. It's so cute. The pancakes, I can't begin. I mean, they were the size of the table. Like it was obscene. I almost felt like I should tell them like serve less. Cause like you're giving away too much here. <laughs> and it was, it was amazing. And it was one of those places that has those like thick diner mugs with like a grizzly bear printed on it. And so I actually just bought it off of them. I was like, I yeah. will give you money to take this home. It just, it it's the whole ambiance, right? Like anybody who loves brunch, you know, that it's not just about the food.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what are you, you usually drinking? Just coffee? Just coffee. I'm like, not really I'm not really drinking these days anymore. I'm realizing I feel so much better if I don't, but I drink so much coffee. <laughs> so I just, you know, oh, well, <laughs> got to have something that you're addicted to, I guess. And were you, so you got pancakes. Are you a pancake person? A sweet? Brunch? I'm a sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. listen, this is what I do. I get, I got a, a veggie omelet, you know, no toast. And then I got the pancakes.
0: <laughs> so it's like, no you know,
1: they, they offset each other. It's all about, uh, you know, balance. So it
0: is. Awesome. And a question that I ask every guest, since this is the brunch and learn podcast, we learned a lot from you today. So thank you, but wanted to hear from you. What is one thing that you learned this week? And it could be random, anything. It's very good.
1: I learned this week that I need to go to therapy again. I I'm always espousing its benefits to everybody. And I, you know, and I, I am somebody who has been in therapy for a long time, but I actually stopped maybe a year ago. I felt like I got into a good place where I didn't need it. it listen, if I had the money for it, I would have kept going, but I felt like it wasn't a priority financially for me. And now with the book that's about to come out, I've been feeling good. And I'm realizing now I think I need some backup, just like I had backup with my book as I wrote it. I need some backup as it becomes real and people will have opinions and it will sell and it might not also sell. You know, it's like there's so much unknown. And for anybody who's grappling with a thing that they don't have any friggin' control over, but they care a lot about it, you need help. And so I just recognized that in the last day. And so I'm going to go ahead and go get that therapist back. And I encourage everybody who's listening to this, if you feel like you need backup, please, please go and get it. Whether it's joining a community, opening up to a friend, finding somebody professional, like a therapist, or if you're writing a book, a book doctor, like, it will make other people feel good to help you. And it will also show them that it's okay for them to ask for help too. So I'm now recognizing, you know what, I should probably take my own advice. Yeah.
0: And finally, last question, where can people find you on the internet and come say hi?
1: Instagram. That is the best place to find me. I respond to, I think every DM I've ever gotten. It might take me a little bit of time, but emailing me is just insane. Like my inbox, you don't want to see it. So if you follow me on Instagram at Claire gets paid, give me a shout out, keep me updated on your own career. I love when people tell me that they listened to a podcast, took a class, anything they saw ladies get paid, whether it was me or somebody else and how it affected them and changes they made in their career, in their life, you're going to make my day. So tell me your story, keep me posted Nicole, thank you so much for having me. I'm, you know, always honored to share my thoughts, but I I love to hear from you all too. So, so you stay in touch with me and everybody listening. I want to hear from you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and chatting with us. Thank you so much. Hey, brunch friends and family. This is our final episode of 2020. And I just wanted to come on and say thank you so much for coming on this ride with me. It has been a long dream of mine to start a podcast, and I hope you guys have learned a lot this season. We've officially made it to 30 episodes this year, and I absolutely loved talking with women entrepreneurs, learning from them, talking about brunch, of course, And hope you all did as well. We've had women from all types of backgrounds, from tarot and astrology to fun, legal questions and things for entrepreneurs, marketing, confidence, grief. We've talked about introversion, public relations, networking, cocktails, to one of my highlights from Kim Kaup's episode, who really just encouraged us all to raise our hands and go after awards and accolades. I am very much looking forward to kicking off the New Year's with you all and getting into Season 2 in 2021. And if you've enjoyed the podcast this year, please help a friend out by rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. It would mean the world to me to hear from you all. Plus, you can always head over to our website for food guides, recipes, event updates, and more at womenwhobrunch.com. Have a safe, happy, and healthy holiday and new year, and I will see you all next year.